Seeing again and again, dosha, the evils associated with 
or the pain associated with janma, mrityu, jara, vyadhi. With birth, death, old age, disease and so forth, the pain or unhappiness or suffering that is associated in the life, may well look at this again and again, so that it develops what we call vairagya, a thoughtless attachment which is there to these things, one can become free from that, one can become objective. As you said, it is not to create any fear or any aversion for the life, but in order to become objective with the life. So that is conducive to crossing vairagya. Dehendriya vishaya bhogeshu vairagya upajayate. This seeing again and again creates vairagya for the body, sense organs and all the sense pleasures. And that way the sense organs in the mind, they become abiding in the self, they become introvert and thus become fit for the knowledge of the self. So that was that. Continuing now with the ninth verse, Asaktihi, the next one. Saktihi, Sakti means attachment. Asaktihi means detachment or lack of attachment. Sangha nimitteshu visheshu priti matram tadabhava asaktihi Usually preeti or attachment is there with the things that we are associated with. So Lord Krishna talks about this detachment in various ways. Earlier we were told indriyarseshu vairagyam, a dispassion with reference to the objects of the senses, a dispassion with reference to the objects of pleasure. So there is also dispassion or detachment. Later on, right away then, Lord Krishna says, Putradhar Gruhadishu, with reference to son and wife and these, those who are very closely associated with us, Anavishvangaha, also a lack of attachment for them. And here Asakti again, Asakti means detachment. So we say that Asakti or the detachment here is with reference to possessions that we have. So on one hand we have these various objects of pleasure, the objects of sense organs from which we seek generally sense gratification, that's one class. Second is all those who are close family members or closely related to us, the living beings, that's another class. And also thirdly there are many things which are also closely associated with us, our possessions. And it is the nature of human mind to become slowly and slowly get attached to them, identify with them. And Lord Krishna, just stay away from attachment or identification with your possessions. So I may have, I have a house, a car, my furniture, my things, you know, which are all there. It is nice to have those things. As long as you think that they are useful to you, have them. But the thing is, more I have, more likelihood there is to be attached. So more occasions there are of getting attached to them. What is meant by attachment is becoming dependent upon them, judging myself by them. So for example, motor car is nice to have that, it's a useful thing because it's a vehicle that enables me to move from one place to the other, it's a requirement. And as long as I look upon the motor car as a vehicle, which carries me from one location to other, it is fine. That's the kind of relationship that I have, that would be called objective relationship. But then when car becomes an object of pride, 
No, that's a different kind of relationship that I have with the car. That I have a certain such, I have a Mercedes, or I have, you know, this kind of, and then just feel proud about what I have. Then I am permitting this motor car to add some value to myself. And I say, what we are doing is that, we are inadvertently permitting these things to add value to the self, which itself is invaluable. And therefore, everything is valuable because of the self, but then the process gets reversed. It is only because of a complex on my part that I am insufficient, inadequate. And therefore, I need something else to make me feel good about myself. And thus, I look upon my possessions also as those which I depend upon to make me feel good about myself. And therefore, my house is not only a dwelling place, but it's also a place to make me feel good, make me feel proud. <coughs> Thus, I impart the capacity to these possessions to in fact <coughs> make some increase in me, make some improvement in me, make me greater than what I am, I impart that capacity to them. <coughs> and this is one thing Lord Krishna says, this is absolutely wrong, this is not a reality, it is I who superimposes kind of values upon them, Never stay away from that. What happens is association is such that slowly we develop a certain amount of comfort with them, liking with that, and then slowly attachment to that, and identification with that. It is the nature of the mind. I start liking things, and then I want them, and I cannot do without them. Even my rocking chair in the beginning, it was nice to have it, and then slowly I got used to that, and now I can't do without that. If that chair is taken away, you give me some other chair, no, I don't like it. Even though the other chair is more expensive, but then I'm just used to that one. And thus, this is what happens, slowly and slowly we get used to them. We cannot do without them, and thus we become dependent upon them. It is this dependence is in fact bondage, or in fact dependence itself is pain, is, is unhappiness. And that is samsara. So Lord Krishna says the mind has a tendency, even with the place we sit, Sometimes people, uh, not here but elsewhere, you know, people, uh, even a place in the class, you know, they want to sit in a certain place. They want to, uh, I must have a direct eye contact, I must have direct contact with the Swami, you know. I must be in a place where the, the teacher looks at me. If I am sitting in some corner, etc., then I may not receive the attention, whatever it is. And thus people get used, attached to even a place. We get attached to a certain kind of clothes, we get attached to a certain kind of shoes, attached to a certain kind of vehicles, attached to a certain kind of carpets, attached to a kind of furniture, attached to a certain kind of things, you know. And thus, it's nice to have aesthetic sense, understand? It is nice to have aesthetic sense, it's nice to enjoy things. <coughs> Vedanta does not, Vedanta talks of detachment, is not that you do not enjoy things. In fact, Vedanta teaches us only the art of how to enjoy things. And Tena Tyaktena Munjita Upanishad says that the, you can enjoy things by Tyaga, meaning by detachment, not by identifying yourself with that, by remaining objective. We feel that a Swami, unless there is an attachment, how can you enjoy something? Unless I call something mine, I don't really seem to get an enjoyment out of that. As I said, this flower is fine, but if it is in my garden, then it is a different value. 
as compared to the same flower being in somebody else's garden. It's growing on the roadside. I look at it and I enjoy it. But when it's in my garden, I go there, I talk to it, I look at it, I do various things because it is mine. And therefore, this flower now gains the capacity to make me feel bigger and better than what I am. I impart this capacity to things. And so, this tendency of the mind to slowly slip into attachment, identify with them, become dependent upon them, and then feel a sense of loss when I have to separate from them. When the television gets spoiled or when my pet, for example, nothing wrong and I then, you know, but still, of course, that will come later on in the next one. But then, this is just to point out how this process, how is, how, as they say, luxury comes as a guest and lingers on to become host, and stays on to enslave you. So things come as guests, they linger on to become host, and then they enslave me, become, I become their slave. This tendency is there in the mind. Tendency is there of becoming dependent upon something. That is there in the mind, therefore, addressing this tendency, Lord Krishna says, Asaktihi. <coughs> in objective relationship, objective relationship with your possessions. That they are possessions. Here the translation is absence of ownership. And so asaktihi or detachment now is generally interpreted in this context as absence of ownership. So how can you have absence of ownership? I mean, there is a house, there is furniture, all these things are there. How can you have absence of ownership? You ask Swamis what is meant by absence of ownership. When you become a guest at somebody's house, then you you live in that house for a few days, you can use those things, enjoy those things also. But at the same time, there is no sense of ownership. When you go and live in a hotel, I mean, that's a very comfortable place, generally. But you don't start identifying those things. You don't say, this is my bed and this is, you know, it's not that at the end of my stay that I pack up things, you know, all the linens and everything. That I, I don't do that. I know that it is not mine. It is there for me to use, for me to enjoy, for a period of time. And therefore, when the time comes, when I have to leave the hotel room, I, I don't start shedding tears or something. I know that this is, you know, I'm prepared for that. And that doesn't mean that for a few days that I stay in the hotel, I don't enjoy those things. I enjoy them. I enjoy the flowers which are there, I enjoy all the comforts which are there, still without being identified with them. So, it is not, enjoyment is not a problem, identification is the problem. So, when association of sanyoga or association with something causes join me, the viyoga that is association or the separation is going to cause definitely a pain in me. And therefore, to remain free from these reactions of place harsha and shoka, happiness and unhappiness. And so the kind of attitude that we have towards the things when we are guests in some place or when we are staying in a hotel or a motel, whatever kind of relationship I have, that kind of relationship we can bring about with reference to what we call averse. That would be a relationship called asaktihi, meaning absence of ownership. This is what it would be. <coughs> that I am a possessor and not an owner. See, Swami used to give an example. Of this, there are these two friends, a very good, very close friends. One of this is in India. One of them went abroad. He went to United States, and 
this friend had a big house and there was nobody to look after the house. So he told this friend, stay in my house, house sitting, you know, stay in my house, look after that. You don't have to pay any rent or anything. Just keep uh, maintain the house and maybe pay the taxes, that's all. And so this is how the house was given to him to stay. Other friend went to United States. For one year he expected to return in a couple of years, but then he did not return. And then he started doing some business here and then business was very successful. And he decided that he was going to settle in the United States. And now that house is not a big deal for him. It's not, you know, in terms of dollars, it's not a big thing. And ever, out of generosity, he said, he gifted that house to his friends. Okay, the house in which you are saying, staying is your house. He called on the telephone, this was saying, that this is what I'm doing. I now con- I'm contacting the lawyer. I'm making a deed so that you, you, this house is gifted to you. As soon as I hear this news that the house has been gifted to me, that is it. See, now the relationship with the house changes. So far also I was staying in the house, I was using it, I was enjoying it also, but I knew that the house doesn't belong to me. I am the possessor for a period of time, but not the owner. But as soon as now it is declared that I own this house, my whole attitude changes. Now everything becomes important. Then he says, you know, I go to my neighbor's uh, terrace, you know, roof, and see my, how my house looks from different angles, mm-hmm. how this property is. I go to some real estate agents and find out what's the cost of this place. Not that I'm going to sell it, but still, oh, this is going to be this is a half a million dollars. Wonderful, you know. I mean, just the sense, the sense of ownership. And now everything concerns me in a different way. Formerly also I took care of the house, but now that I'm a possessor, the attitude is altogether changed. Nothing has changed physically. The house is the same, I am also the same. Only my notion has changed, that's all. So how this ownership is a notion, and thus recognizing that ownership, that's why there are verses in Sanskrit. There is verse in Sanskrit which says, that the earth really laughs at people. Earth means the that the, the, the place laughs at the people. She says, look, this fellow comes and calls me mine. And she's laughing. Say, you're not the first fellow. Any number of people in the past called me theirs, you know, and then it, I've never become anybody's. And you are one of those also is calling me yours, that I'm not going to become anybody's. The wealth also says that. The wealth also says similarly also, laughs at this person who calls it mine. You see, the thing is, this business of mine is always a one-way, one-sided relationship. It's not a two-sided relationship. It's not a two-way relationship. If I call my car as mine, and the car also calls me as hers, then it's okay. But when somebody breaks into the car and takes it away, the car does not protest at all. It says, wait a minute, I don't belong to you. I belong to Swamiji. That car doesn't say. It just goes away. And that shows that I have invested so much. What happens is, then we in, there is an emotional investment in the things. There is not only an investment of money, but then there is what we call an emotional investment. And that's what is what we call attachment, and that's what brings about the ownership. Lord Krishna says, just try to keep a distance or objective with reference to the emotional investment. Understand that this ownership is a notion which you entertain, which has no reality at all, when the furniture was made, there was no stamp of Swami Vidyata Atmananda. When the book comes, for example, immediately I put a stamp. 
there is an instruction with our students. And as soon as the book comes in the library, Swami Vidyatatmananda, that's all. The whole world knows. That is, I put a stamp. There was no such stamp when the book was made. When things were made, no such stamps were there. And so the stamping that this is mine is purely notional. And thus, an emotional relationship with the things. Emotional meaning, an emotional investment, an emotional dependence is what is meant by saktihi or asaktihi. So, asakti means anasakti. Sakti or asakti. Asamanta saktihi is asakti. So, we are generally more familiar with the asakti. Asakti means attachment. Asakti means a fast attachment. This prefix a means samanta. In every way there is an attachment. That's called asakti. Here Lord Krishna does not employ that prefix a and sakti. That asakti means absence of sakti or absence of asakti or what we call anasakti. And so here Lord Krishna says that this kind of relationship with the things that are around you is very desirable because then alone you can maintain an objectivity with your mind and you can enjoy them when they are there with you. In case they are not with you, you are equally comfortable. Not easy, but that's what. Like a cashier in the bank, you know, uh, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars come to him in the cashier, you know, and then come in and go. He is, what is the relationship he has? They come, fine, he manages them, takes care of them. Like the trustees of a, of a temple, for example, you know, lots of money come in the hundi, they count it, they enjoy it also. But they know very well that this is not ours. And therefore, when it come, time comes to spend or give away also, there is no problem. All these values are not easy. All these values are difficult in as much as it requires us to recognize what kind of a superimposition is involved. And as I said, inadvertently we become emotionally so much dependent upon things that to extricate ourselves takes a certain time. But then, this is the value for knowledge. Because they say that this fellow constructed the house. In Gujarati they will say, in a ghar and a The idea is that he built the house and he got tied up, he, he got tied up with that. So, as long as the fellow did not have a house and he was staying in an apartment or something like that, it was very regular in the classes and now he has a house. And I thought that now of course he is his own house and therefore he has more freedom. But now he stops coming to class and what happened Swamiji, there is nobody to look after the house. You know. <laughs> now he can't go out also because somebody is required to take care of the house. If the neighbors are there, well and good, if they are not there, then he feels that he is required there. And so this is, this kind of attachments happen and we just must be aware of this process. Let us become just alert and aware of this process of how there is a tendency in our mind, part of our mind to slowly get attached to things and become dependent upon them and then miss them when they are not there. And so that is a distraction of the mind. To remain free from that, Lord Krishna prescribes value here, asaktihi. <coughs> the next is anabhishvangaha putradhar grahadishu. An Abhishvangaha. An again is a negating particle. An Abhishvangaha, absence of Abhishvangaha. It explained Abhishvango Rama, Sakti Visheshaheva. 
Abhishvangaha means a fast attachment. Ananyatma bhavana lakshana. When there is an identification, yada anyasmin sukhini dukhini va ahameva sukhi dukhi. When somebody becomes happy, I am happy. When somebody is unhappy, I become unhappy. Jeevativa mruteva ahameva jivami marishami cha. When somebody is alive, then I think that I am alive. When somebody dies, I die. This is called identification. Abhishvangaha, excessive attachment or identification. Anabhishvangaha, lack of excessive attachment or lack of identification. With what? Putradara grahadishu. No, so, see, formally we talked about the objects of senses. Secondly, we talked about the various possessions, like furniture and car and so forth and so on, and an attitude of what we call an objective relationship with them. But I, but when it comes to putra, dara, means my child and my uh, wife and so forth, so, or spouse, you know, so what relationship, you can't have the relationship like you have with furniture, you know, so you cannot treat a spouse or, or child as a piece of furniture and have that kind of relationship. So there, of course, a relationship of, of affection is called for. So Lord Krishna says, Anabhishvangaha, lack of excessive attachment. <coughs> In short, some attachment is required, is always there. When it comes to wife, when it comes to child, when it comes to brother, when it comes to people who are closely associated with us or related to us, naturally there is a special relationship that there is and certainly I don't have the same kind of relation with the rest of the world, that is true. I have a special relationship with the people with whom I am closely associated and that is quite alright. That special relationship is required. Then alone I can really take care of them. If I am father then I'm, I should take care of my children and so forth. That is, uh, it is my responsibility, it's my privilege. It's my privilege and pleasure to do that. So that's the whole idea of the family life is that, that there is this association and in, in that association, a close association characterized by affection, mutual affection and mutual acceptance, that there is a nourishment of what I am associated with and there is a nourishment of myself. And thus when a mother is bringing up the child, the child is growing, then the mother nourishes the child. But then in the process of nourishing the child, the mother also gets nourished, understand? This nourishment is always a two-way street. That I nourish something and then I get nourished also. And this relationship that one has with living beings. Even with our pets also, this dog or whatever, you know, I nourish that. I take care of the rat. So, there is caring, there is concern, there is nourishment and nurturing is involved. But in that very process also, I get nurtured and nourished also. So that's the beauty of this process of nurturing and nourishing. That in the very process of nurturing and nourishing, the one who nurtures also gets nurtured. Because nurturing always is reflected by nurturing. Even though little infant doesn't do anything for me, but in a way, you know, the very way infant looks at me and the very way it relates to me, I get nurtured, nourished, I, you know, I feel so happy. In fact, I feel accepted. There are not many places where I feel that kind of a comfort, you know. With the world, I mean, it's, 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 it's not that easy. 
world is not always ready to accept me and therefore I don't always feel very comfortable with other relationship with my colleagues and with the people in the world. But that is the reason why we have a very a, a close-knit group of our own relations wherein each one can feel accepted, each one accepts other and feels accepted. And thus there is a relationship of affection. There is affection, there is love. And that must be there in those I am closely related to. Ideally it should be there for the whole world, that will come. Whole world is God, that's all fine, whole world is, it will become. But let me start with the people who are very close to me, you know. Sometimes Vedantin talks of the whole world and then it misses what is at the close, you know. So here, the thing is that yes, those who are close related to me, yes, there is an attachment. Attachment, there is affection, there is love. And that is definitely required, it should be there. So here Lord Krishna says, Anabhishvanga, lack of excessive attachment. Don't start owning and possessing those things. That means that do not start owning your child, or do not start possessing your child. Take care of the child. Offer, offer the love. Take care of the child, nourish him, nurture him, provide the right kind of an atmosphere for the child to grow like a gardener does in his garden, so provides the right kind of an atmosphere for a seed to grow and gets the right kind of soil and the manure and water and whatever is required for the seed to grow, this is what a gardener does. So gardener nurtures and nourishes that seed and little, little sip, you know, uh, sapling of the plant and also gets nurtured and nourished, I guess, you know, because it's a pleasure. Swamiji, a new leaf has come, you know. I, I, so, when you plant something in a garden, then you immediately go and see how it's doing. And now the sprout has come, one leaf has come, two leaves have come. Now it is six inches tall, twelve inches tall. Now slowly two years, the flower has started coming. It's a great joy. It's a great privilege really to nurture and nourish something. And we nurture and nourish and that is the process of emotional growth. And that's a very beautiful thing. But as we said, just as a gardener provides the right kind of conditions for the plant, for the seed and for the plant, so the plant can grow, that kind of relationship may we have with those whose, whom we are nurturing and nourishing. Provide them what is required for them to be accepted and to grow, and let us enjoy that process of their growth, hopefully without any expectation. Usually, at least in countries like India, I think the U.S. things are pretty clear, you know, that everybody is for themselves and so, I know that when the children grow up, moment they become 18, that is it, they are on their own and I am required to be on my own whether I want it or not. It's a fact of life. And then of course if children are good enough, then they may visit me once in a family, they visit me. How often they visit? Oh, they come once in a year, you know, it's okay. It's nice. How long? For a weekend. Maybe for Thanksgiving or something like that, they come once or twice a year and that, that, that's about all you expect. And you, I guess, since you are prepared for that, it must work out alright. But in India, when parents raise their children, there is always a, a, an unspoken understanding that I am taking care of the children right now and when I require care, the children will take care of me. And then when that does not happen, then there is a tremendous disappointment. So, when we provide some care and nurturing and nourishing also, all ex associated with that is also an expectation. So usually in a relationship of what we call affection or love, 
some kind of an expectation is always there or some kind of a demand also is there so it is that which is called asakti or attachment to distinguish between what we call love and attachment attachment also is love but there is certain amount is sort of distorted love a love in which there is an expectation or a demand from the one whom I love meaning that it is a relationship of give and take that I am giving something and therefore that person also should return the favor to me so this part is called asakti or attachment where there is an expectation Lord Krishna says if you can delete this part meaning do what you have to do so this can be translated as dispassionate can absence of excessive attachment regarding son, wife, etc. Or you can say that it is dispassionate caring. A caring but a dispassionate caring. Swami, expectation will always be there. I mean, how can you not have expectation from your children? How can you not have expectation from your wife? How can you not have expectation from people close to you? It is true, but that's called samsara. Yes, that we have expectation is, is, a, is a ground for, as I say, disappointment or entanglement. Therefore, just watch out that it is my pleasure and privilege to love somebody, to take care of them, to nurture them, nourish them, fulfill my role. And to the extent that I can enjoy the very process of nurturing, nourishing and caring, to that extent I will not have an expectation of what they should do in return to me. Basically this is what the Anabhishvangaha, this is what lack of excessive attachment is. And therefore with reference to the living beings, mainly human beings, and living beings I say because pets are also, they also become a part of the life, you know, and therefore with reference to living beings, my relationship is one of giving. But that giving itself becomes the receiving. Let us, so Lord Krishna makes his point throughout Bhagavad Gita. In the Karma Yoga also, this is the spirit that performs the actions and offering without attachment to the reward of action. Swami, how can anybody perform action without expectation of a result? Expectation of a reward. Alright. That expectation of a reward is always, it always creates the possibility of disappointment. On the other hand, let your action itself become a reward. Let performing action, let doing something itself be a reward. That it's my privilege to do something, let this itself be my, my offering. As I said, in that process of offering and nurturing, may I be nurtured. This is what Lord Krishna is teaching with reference to action meaning, with reference to all that we do. In course of time, so what is meant by becoming free from expectation of the results? is that the result of the reward in course of time it remains of no consequence to me what is of consequence to me is what I do that when what I do itself becomes a reward then what outcome it brings is no more important this requires a tremendous transformation in mindset you know we have a certain mindset in which we are growing where the bottom line counts where the performance counts where the rewards counts where the outcome counts and the world judges us based on the outcome and we also judge ourselves based on the outcome.
And therefore, I look upon myself as successful or not based on what the outcome is. Lord Krishna says, no, may you judge yourself based on what you do. But that's the Bhagavad Gita. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. But the point is that this is what is the spirit that Lord Krishna is teaching. And therefore, even when it comes to my association with those who are close to me, same kind of spirit. That you do what you have to do and let it be your privilege, let it be a pleasure to take care of everybody without expectation of reward. And that can be only when the taking care or nurturing itself is a reward. That I do not seek reward beyond that. This is what is meant by anabhishvangaha, lack of excessive attachment. Understand that attachment meaning the affection is there, the love is there, the caring is there. Because that is my role and that is my privilege. Not in, even this word duty also is, is not very good. Duty always involves certain obligation. Let us call it my privilege. You know, it's my privilege to do that rather than just my duty. Swami, what can I do? It's my duty. I have to do this for my children. That's okay. It's my privilege to do. In that case, it's a non-binding relationship. We talk of non-binding desires and non-binding... This is all non-binding relationship. Where the relationship is of giving. And where getting is in the very process of giving. <coughs> I said, none of these values is simple. None of this is easy. But, as I said, growing is not easy. Remaining where we are is perhaps alright. And slipping down from where we are may be easy. But going up always is somewhat difficult. Climbing the hill is difficult. Walking on the plane is okay. Climbing the hill is difficult because I must overcome the pull of gravity. And similarly also, all kinds of tendencies that are there, all kinds of fears that are there, all kinds of insecurities, they are pulling me down. The only thing that comes in the way of following well is my insecurity. That's I feel, what will happen to me? So these insecurities are there, fears are there, it is not easy to overcome them, but then ultimately what we would overcome is our own insecurity. <coughs> the second line says, Nityam jasamachittatvam ishta nishtogopattishu Nityam, always. Samachittatvam, evenness of the mind. Ishta anishta upapattishu So, upapatti means some prapti. Ishta anishta upapattishu Upapatti means some prapti. So, when we encounter, so when we encounter ishta and anishta, ishta means desirable, anishta means undesirable. So, when we encounter the desirable and undesirable, samachittatvam, an evenness of the mind. An evenness of the mind regarding the gain of the desirable, or meaning, an evenness of the mind while confronting the desirable and the undesirable. <coughs> this is a theme that we find again and again in Vedanta. Desirable, undesirable. Because that's what the world is made up of. They say that the world is made up of dvandva. Dvandva means the pairs of opposites. And so, like the two sides of a coin, so also, everything has two sides always. Success and failure, birth and death, they always go together. And honor and dishonor, success and failure, comfort and discomfort, heat and cold, 
pleasure and pain, all of these kind of paths of opposites are there and we have to keep on confronting them one after the other. So that is all, life is like that. There is no consistency there. All the time it is changing. And therefore you just don't know what the next moment will bring. Whether it will be desirable or undesirable, agreeable or disagreeable, this is a reality of life. So basically what Lord Krishna says is that accepting and developing a comfort with this reality of life. That I do not control the life and the life follows its own laws, life has its own flow, life has its own pattern and that I look at this pattern and I relate to this flowing pattern or the changing pattern with what we call an evenness of the mind. What is evenness of the mind? Better than even evenness of the mind would be a mind which, as we said, a glad acceptance of whatever is happening. A glad acceptance of whatever the life brings to me. Life sometimes brings me pleasure, sometimes pain, sometimes comfort, sometimes discomfort. Sometimes honor, sometimes dishonor. Sometimes success, sometimes failure. That is the nature of the life. And that, I just look at these things objectively, that this is what it is. And what it means is that I do not identify with them, I do not judge myself based on the situations that occurs around me. You see, if you look at why we react to any situation, either with elation or with depression, you will find that ultimately every situation makes me to judge myself. Unless I am not really reacting to a situation. Even though I may feel that I am reacting to a situation, actually I am reacting to my own self. Every situation invokes from me a certain self. And whether that self is desirable or is a situation not desirable or undesirable. Situation is what the situation is. But every situation always invokes a self from me. Whether that self is desirable or it is undesirable. And therefore when somebody honors me, somebody then, it invokes from me a desirable self. And then I feel good about myself because it's a desirable self. It's a pleased self that is invoked. So when somebody honors me, somebody respects me, somebody praises me, somebody congratulates me, Whenever that is done, then it invokes from me a pleased self. A self that is comfortable with my own self. In short, this condition that we call the honor or success creates in me or invokes from me what we call a pleased self or a comfortable self. And therefore, I am comfortable with myself. And therefore, I am comfortable with the situation. All that counts in my life is myself. You should understand that. Nothing real, nothing else counts. All that counts is myself. And how everything becomes also the object of counting, how other things also matter to me, is because they invoke a certain self from me. And when somebody insults me, somebody uh, dishonors me, somebody uh, criticizes me, somebody treats me in a manner which is not becoming, I feel, then what happens to me? It invokes from me a unhappy or uncomfortable or displeased self, that's all. I feel rejected when somebody treats me in an improper way, what I consider improper. Then I feel rejected. And when I feel rejected, 
then all my complex is that I am not all right, I am so and so, and thus only complex is about me, that I am inadequate, I am not all right, I am not sufficient. This is insufficient, inadequate, a displeased self is invoked, and that is what I don't like. But not recognizing them, I react by rejecting other people, and that's the reason why when somebody rejects me, my reaction is to reject them, not recognizing that my problem is with myself, it is not the problem with somebody else. If this fact is understood, I think, then life will become much easier. I think I have a problem with the people around me. I think I have a problem with the situation around me, no? I have a problem with my own self. I have a problem with myself because I cannot accept myself as I am. If I could accept myself as I am, there will be no problem at all. But then, I know that I am inadequate, I am insufficient, I am not good, I am not alright, I am not satisfactory, I am not able to live to my own expectation of myself and therefore, this constant self-non-acceptance that is there in me is what in fact creates a reaction of rejection or depression. So, harsha and shoka. When a favorable situation comes, harsha, I react with what we call elation. But in fact, I am reacting to my own self with elation. And when unfavorable situation comes, I react to that with depression or with rejection. As I said, it is not reacting to the situation it is really reacting to my own self. But anyway, so Lord Krishna says that, accept the reality of the world. of yourself. Samachittattvam. The way to uh, maintain the Samachittattvam, as it is explained to us, is what we call seeing the Sama. Now in the life we keep on encountering what was Vishama. Vishama means all varieties and disparities are there in the life. So life is full of the disparities. So how can we maintain what we call a balance of mind or evenness of the mind when everything is uneven? When now there is pleasure, then there is pain, now there is comfort, then there is discomfort, now there is happiness or success and failure. In all this uneven situation that I am encountering, how can I maintain evenness of the mind? When I can see something that is even in all of this. This is another important thing of Bhagavad Gita. The Samatvam, the even in, in all the uneven things, as in 13th chapter itself will be stated here. Samam Sarveshu Bhuteshu Tishthantam Parameshwaram. The Parameshwar, the Lord, who equally abides in all unequal things, who is the one in many, who is the same in all the dissimilar things. Just as the gold is same in all the ornaments. Every ornament is different from other ornament and therefore that is similarity as far as the ornaments are concerned. The gold is the same in all the ornaments. The water is same in all the waves. And similarly also in all the dissimilar things that we encounter, all the disparities and dissimilarities we encounter, there is something similar. There is something same. And what is that? As Lord Krishna says, I am that. Here itself would say, Kshetragnyam Chabhimam Vidhi Sarvakshetra Shubharata. Shubharata recognizes that I am the Kshetragnya, I am the self in all these beings. Mahi Saramidam Protam Sutre Muniganaiva. Just as the thread supports all the flowers of the pearls in a garland, and so also 
I am the self that supports all the names and forms. In short, Lord Krishna declares that I am the principle which is invariable, which is ever the same, ever unchanging, in all the changing, in all the dissimilarities, in all the unevenness, I am the one, same, unchanging self. And therefore, to maintain evenness of the mind, the method is to shift our attention from the dissimilar to the similar. That which is uneven to the even, from the many to the one, from the ornament to the gold, from the wave to the water, and similarly from the personality to the person, from the garland to the thread, and similarly from what we call the names and forms to that which informs all the names and forms, yasti, bhati, priyam, or that substratum which is one and same in all. So shifting the attention from the name and form to the content of the name and form, from uneven to the even, this is the method of maintaining evenness of the mind. Just as a goldsmith always maintains evenness of the mind, regardless of what the ornament is. To me an ornament may be very precious because it has come from my great-grandmother or something like that and therefore I have a special value for that. To a goldsmith it's just an ornament, it's just gold. And similarly also to a wise person, everything nothing but Brahman. Vidya, Vinaya, Sampanne, Brahmane, Gavihastini. Whether it is a pious person, an impure person, an animal, whatever it is, in all of them, the wise people see this one truth, one Lord. So seeing one Lord in everything, shifting the attention from recognizing that it is one Lord that has put on all these costumes, so he alone comes before me in the costumes of human beings and animals and plants and all living beings. He alone comes before me in the form of success and failure. He alone comes before me in the form of favorable, unfavorable, good, bad, honor, dishonor, success, failure, whatever it is. All of these are nothing but different costumes which, in which only one comes to me and that is Lord. Suppose you recognize that. Shift the attention from the costume to the one who wears the costume. Shift the attention from the dissimilar to the similar or the same. And that is a way of maintaining evenness of the mind. But Swami, that is very tough. And therefore, go a step, one step a little before that. And that is, alright, let us say this is Ishvara Shusti, this is the creation of the Lord. And whatever is created, is created by Lord. Whatever comes to me, is all given to me by the Lord. And therefore, whatever comes to me, I look upon them as coming from the Lord. Our famous Prasad Buddhi, that whatever comes, comes from the altar of the Lord. And therefore, I look upon that as Prasad, as the grace of the Lord. Swami, what are you talking? I did not get admission to my medical school. How can there be grace of the Lord? People have a lot of problems. We also have problems. Swamiji, I went to this community and there is so much pain in there. How can there be? What are you talking about this God? Where is this God? I see so much injustice here. Where is God? So then we also have an expectation from God as to how God should be. And when God cannot fulfill my expectation, then I reject God. That's okay. That's one thing. Or other thing is that there is God. And let me understand these things by rather than demanding that God should be such and such. Let me accept God in all good faith and let me see then how the situations can be explained.
how some kind of injustice is involved and also apparent injustice how some kind of uh, blessing is involved also in disguise that's a blessing in disguise that's a nice word expression blessing in disguise so for a devotee this is possible maintaining evenness of the mind is possible only when god comes in our life when i am a devotee of the god when there is shraddha or trust in god that he always means well and that he all that is is nothing but expression of his grace sometimes grace comes openly sometimes grace comes in disguise but whatever it is is grace and therefore again shifting the attention from a given situation to the one who provides the situation aham sarvasya prabhavah matas sarvam pravartate lord krishna says everything originates from me yatah pravartir bhutanam yatah pravartir bhutanam all the activities he is the impeller of all the activities he is the creator of everything and therefore whatever it is is created by him it is possible that i may not understand certain things it's true i cannot say that i understand everything or if you ask certain questions swami why should this happen we may not have an explanation it's possible because of our limited knowledge we may not have explanation of why given phenomena swami why should earthquake take place why should so many people die i said i don't know you know answer why should storms come why should floods come why should this climate is come why should innocent people die i don't know meaning that just because we accept god doesn't mean that uh, we say everything is you know fine there must be something in it i do not know what it is but still i give benefit of doubt to god because i have no choice anyway suppose i reject god i reject this what am i going to do there is nothing i can do anyway i can't change anything i can change whatever i can i can respond to a situation in earthquake or floods to the you know extent i can but there is a limit i can't change it so lord krishna says you accept gracefully what you cannot change not you know everybody says and so accepting gracefully the things that come to me as grace of the lord not only gracefully but as grace of the lord meaning seeing the reflection of lord in everything later on we see lord in everything the ultimate wisdom is seeing the lord in everything but the step before that is seeing him as a creator of everything seeing his reflection in everything seeing his signature in everything and therefore whatever comes to me comes from him success also comes to him thank you failure also comes to from him i may not thank him i may not have be strong enough to thank him for failure i may not be able to enjoy the failure true but at least i can gracefully accept it there must be a reason it has come there must be a reason maybe it wants to teach me something maybe i have to learn something from this maybe i have to grow based on this experience because every time they keep on giving me candies it's not good and there was sometimes i require that uh, some what do you call the neem juice also very bitter so that also is required and though even though it tastes bitter they say swami ji kerala is good for you the bitter gourd is good for you must be good for me not from my palate but they say it is good for your stomach okay you take it and so sometimes things are bitter but bitter things also have their own role otherwise they would not have been created why is something bitter why i would wonder why should bitter god be created in the first place i would have been so much better that i you know every since childhood i had to confront that you know because bitter god is a very is a vegetable that is very commonly prepared and there always somebody in the house that likes it 
And then you have to listen to the lecture every time. This is good for you, this is this, you know, all right. I wish Bitrago was not created. It is created. It must have a purpose to serve. And therefore it must have some purpose to serve for me also. If I do not understand, in good faith, I accept it. And thus, seeing the work of Lord, seeing the Lord as the creator, seeing the signature or reflection of Lord and everything is a way of maintaining samachittatvam even near to the mind in all the various changing situations. So, that is a very, very important value. Because Lord Krishna talks about samatvam all the time, oneness. That's the theme. All along in Bhagavad Gita, the theme is samatvam, sameness. Ultimate meaning of samatvam is Brahman. Nirdosham is samam Brahman. Because Brahman is samam. Meaning it is the one that is uh, equally present in everything. Samoham sarabhuteshu namedveshyostinapriyaha Lord Krishna says, I equally abide in everything. I don't have any favorite. I don't have any partiality. I have no aversion. I equally abide in everything. And therefore, to see that truth is ultimate goal. But before that, we see this truth, that whatever comes, comes from him. And there is his signature. It is his creation. That helps me to shift my focus from a situation to God. From every situation to where it comes from. The effect is not important, the source is important. Where it comes from is important. When my little child comes, you know, and gives me, oh, when she ties his rakhi, you know, in her own way she does it. What is important is, what kind of rakhi have you brought? But you don't know how to tie it. No, that's not important. Important is that it is being done. Where it comes from is important. And so, so, whatever comes, comes from him. Thus, it is a devotee who looks upon situations as coming from the Lord. That's how we can resolve his reactions and he can maintain an evenness of the mind. So, nityam ja samachittatvam ishta anishta uvatteshu when we encounter these desirable, undesirable situations maintaining the evenness of the mind. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutavande Bhagavanta Punah Punah Ishvaro Gururat Medi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Namaha Hari Om